mountains bow down as we lift him up. There is no other name. 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 Jesus Christ.
right, so we are on our way to pick up Veronica Lamb. She is the Justice Minister at Blue Water Mission. She's been there for a long time. So we're going to talk to her about what that entails and kind of learn a little bit more about who she is. Here we go. Hello. Hey. Thanks for doing this. Oh, thank you. This is fun. It's awesome. I'm excited. We picked you up a little something. I cannot guarantee how cold it is at this point. Oh, that's cool. But uh, I yes. heard you like that sort of a thing. I do. Kombucha awesome. is my favorite. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. I think I'm a little nervous. Maybe I've been in quarantine too long with like my kids. <laughs> Not enough socialization. I feel like the word justice gets thrown around a lot. Yeah, it yeah. does. Like, especially, I feel like now. I mean, the the social justice aspect of it really got started because there was a there was actually a bunch of us like having dreams about human trafficking and uh -huh. like feeling this call from God to do something. You know, how we started off was a lot of going into the community and meeting trafficking victims where they were, mm -hmm. and. And a lot of it was on the sex trafficking side. So it's like, if people don't want to be in sex work, then they shouldn't have to be. Towards the end of 2008, we got our first call for a victim. You know, this girl had nowhere to go. And really the first night, law enforcement paid out of their own pocket to put her up in a hotel. But they were like, well, we can't just keep doing this. Like there must be something. Right. And so then they called me and they're like, well, come do something. <laughs> and you're like, I have my house. Exactly. Yeah. So I just texted my husband and my roommate at the time and just like, hey, I'm bringing a girl home. And what was Hope that's response? okay. And they were like, uh, okay. <laughs> like, if I look backwards, I mean, I don't know. I always had this sort of like heart for justice of like standing up for others. I grew up on like a farm, around farmland and not many people and the first night i arrived in hawaii i still remember like sitting in waikiki and eating dinner and seeing some girls that i now understand were working the track but like they looked like they didn't want to be there and i was like why would you be doing something if you don't want to do it like just walk away so you've been doing this for 13 14 years now Taking yeah. victims into your home, mm -hmm. um, being a resource for law enforcement, um, and and listening to the things that God was was talking to you about 14 years ago. How do you sustain that? There's like the hope that this is worth it, and that's one of the hardest things to hold on to. Is that sort of hope? There's hundreds, you know. <laughs> hundreds of victims victims that have just had like abuse be a part of their every day or their every year for like their entire life a lot of times the stories of sexual assault start um while they're still in diapers one of the things that um pimps say some say like molestation is the boot camp to pimping so they are specifically looking for someone that comes from a hurtful home that 
you know, has already thought like they have to be hurt in order to be loved. Like that's just what love feels like. And then they just take them and they exploit them even more, you know, to where they're now, I mean, usually the minimum is like 10 customers a day. So, you know, in actuality, that's like 10 rapes a day. But some of the victims that I've worked with, they've seen up to 30 customers a day. Um, and that's every day, you know, like there's no days off. The number of victims that I've seen versus the number of even perpetrators that have been charged, let alone actually prosecuted, I think I could probably count on my hands. Does that make you want to quit? It makes me angry. To me, it's like, well, I try and fuel that, you know, like use that as fuel forward of like, no, we, we can do better. Like we can do better as a system. We can do better as a society. How does all this affect your prayer life? Or how does your prayer life affect what you do every day? So for me, like being in these situations where I feel like I'm contending for somebody's life, um, that, that makes the prayer life like much more rich. We need a miracle. Like I, I want this person that I care about to be alive tomorrow morning so right. like this is right. all that i can do instead of praying for a better life you've actually put yourself in a life where you have to have prayer just to yes. sustain it yes <laughs> it's way more interesting i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of times i ask myself this question like why is like so much hell like been thrown against this person and i feel like all i can come up with is like they must be capable of being powerful for God. Like, like, why would the enemy throw so much hell at them every day, every year of their life? Hmm. The world feels like COVID was really hard because we all had to stay home. And, you know, it was hard. There were things that were very difficult about it and people lost jobs and all this kind of stuff. But it's like the, the level of hardness that victims are experiencing like most people have no idea of. And it's like, I don't know how the rest of us would survive it. I have mad respect, mad respect for victims and what they've survived. Hey, welcome to Blue Water. Um, we're gonna be continuing our series that we've been doing on the everyday Bible. And today I'm gonna be speaking from Ephesians. Ephesians is a book that one, I've been studying. I feel like God's really brought it to my attention um, the last few months. And I've been in it and reading so much about it. But then also there's been this verse that always just stuck out to me. So let's start by looking at Ephesians. And we're gonna be in Ephesians chapter six. We're gonna look at the armor of God passage. And it starts in verse 10. So I'll go ahead and read it for us and we'll talk about it a bit. So verse 10, and I'm reading out of NIV, starts with, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So he's saying finally, cause he spent like this whole book where he's been talking about, when I look at it and I look at Ephesians, it's like, he's telling us who we are. He's telling us that our identity He's telling us that God loves us about the inheritance and all this kind of stuff. He's just like encouraging, encouraging, like God is for you. 
And he's also saying like, hey, get along together. You know, like don't be offended over everything. Like throw offense to the side, love people, be gracious, all that kind of stuff. So this is like his like topper of it all. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in its place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may, be, that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So I love this passage. You know, it's always been something that we've used. Um, I'm the social justice director here at Blue Water. And we've always used it when we talked about justice ministry and just this realization that our battle isn't against flesh and blood, right? So we can't bring it down to just the people level, like just the personal interactions of people. And that's been important for us in justice ministry. But like I said, you know, God really started speaking to me about Ephesians this past year. And he's had me deep diving into it since October. And I feel like I understand this passage so much more like today than even I did a month ago, than I did six months ago, and certainly more than I did like 10 years ago um, when we started using it. And so when I look at this in the context of like Paul and overall Ephesians, there's a couple of things that he's been repeatedly saying during Ephesians, and it's about this like mystery of the gospel. And he is trying to make this point that there is a mystery that we haven't understood, that the world hasn't gotten, and that God wants us to be able to understand. He's also trying to make this point of like, hey, we don't need to fight with each other. It's a lot of what he has to say here. But this is like the first time where he really like wraps it up into this like spiritual battle that we're in and talking about, well, what is it that we're fighting? Like, where is the struggle? That kind of thing. 
So I love the way that he's bringing things together. I love the way that Paul talks about life and God in Ephesians. And when I look at this passage and kind of following like how Jordan loves for us to look at, like what bugs you about the passage? I look at this and there's, there's, I mean, a few things that bug me, right? Um, one of the things that bugs me is that he keeps saying stand. And I feel like, shouldn't we be more assertive? <laughs> or like, if we're in a battle and there's like a war, like, shouldn't we maybe be a little aggressive or like take a step forward or, <laughs> you know, like do something as opposed to just stand? Like, that seems crazy. That seems a little crazy to me, you know? And granted, in justice ministry, we are looking at uh, crazy injustices and like situations for people, right? It's like really dramatic, like in the sense of like, we, we work so much with human trafficking victims and you're looking at like this massive amount of um, abuse and imbalance of like power and control and so much pain and so much hurt and so much suffering and that kind of stuff you know it's like you you follow the the trail of abuse in a victim's life and kind of look at that big picture and it's been every year of their life you know like since they were born for instance you know there's it's probably more than what most of you look at in your normal daily life and the kind of stories that you hear from like your coworkers or that you discuss in your family and that kind of stuff, right? But like in justice ministry and in my family, we're looking at these issues of like intense, like child sexual abuse and um, rape and murder and kidnapping and um, just, you know, day after day, all these kinds of things, right? So to me, it's like stand. God is using Paul to summarize the battle of good and evil, and a lot of the statement is to stand. And so to me, that bugs me, you know, that rubs me the wrong way. I want something more, but then I also have to look at like, well, God, God is in this, and God's wiser than me. Thank you, God. Like, you know, you got better ideas. Um, like, why is he saying this, right? So these are the kind of questions that come up for me. I also look at, like, what does it mean for righteousness to be a breastplate? What does it mean for the gospel of peace to be, like, our shoes or on our feet? Like, what are, what are these things? What do they mean, you know? Um, and then the shield of faith, you know, so I get lots of questions around that. But I also have this question of like, what is this mystery of the gospel? Like, what is this that Paul is trying to say? And to me, it seems like that it's all coming together here, you know, like he's explaining like the good fight and he's explaining the evil fight here. So. There's lots in this where I'm like, what are you talking about, God? So to me, it's like really rich that we can like dive into it and ask these kind of questions and like pray about it and ask him to give us some of these insights. So I'll share with you some of the insights that I felt that God has shared with me and how it's applied to my personal life. And 
how that also applies to like my ministry and my purpose and calling. So first thing I would say is like, there's more than meets the eye. I think that's what Paul is saying. It's really easy for us, say in the extreme situations like justice ministry, where we're like, you know, that pimp, that trafficker, like abuse this many victims, you know, beat them, rape them, kidnap them, um, you know, uh, scared other people, uh, abused children, abused adults, like all this kind of thing. And it's outrageous and they need to pay, like they are taking over this territory, like they're killing people, like all this stuff is going on and we just get like outrage and we could really easily just let that outrage be at the person. But God is saying very clearly, like our battle is not against flesh and blood. So that I think that applies to like, we can't get caught up in like demonizing one person or thinking like, oh, if we could just get that one person like off the streets or we could just get them locked up or, or we could just change them or something like that, then everything would be better, right? And a more like applicable like day-to-day every day that we're in the Bible, like me, you, family, work, traffic, all that kind of stuff, right? Like we can't get caught up either in thinking that it's just whatever, the jerk in traffic, or it's just our spouse giving us a hard time, or, you know, I don't know, whatever we want to blame, right? It's really easy to blame people. It's really easy to get at that sort of like basic level of like, well, the fight is just right here in what I see, you know, I'm whatever, mad that the government doesn't take better care of us. I'm mad that the government tries to control too many things. Like whatever it is that we've got spun up in our head at any given moment of the day, like, oh, I'm mad at my coworker, you know, that they did this on this project or my boss gave me this deadline, like whatever, you know, we can apply this in every part of it, right? To the things that are going on externally from us, but also to the things that are going on internally inside of us. You know, we can easily look at things and just think, well, it's the physical thing in front of my eyes, you know, why I didn't sleep last night, or why I feel overwhelmed today, or why I feel anxious, or why I have critical thoughts always running through my head, right? Like all of us struggle with all of these different things, internally, externally. And I think the main thing that we need to know here is that our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's not just about you or I as an individual. It's not just about us being better. It's not just about holding somebody accountable. It's not just about like the government or the right politician or the right coworker or change in boss or I don't know, traffic signals or you know whatever it is that has us in a tizzy at the moment, right? That's not what it's really about. That's not what makes our life hard. That's not what makes our life good. You know, the, the battle is deeper. There's more than meets the eye. It's not the person, it's not the physical issue, it's not even the mental issue that's right in front of us. It's so much more than that. And that applies to like the worst case scenarios of abuse and that applies to the basic, what feels like the smallest battles but yet they feel overwhelming in our own personal life. So I try and take that and I apply it, you know, to like my good days and my bad days for me personally, like when I wake up in the morning or 
when I'm frustrated with my kids or when I am terribly disappointed and on the verge of outrage at like a justice issue. You know, I got to look at this and say like, hey, there's more than meets the eye here. And I can't just get caught up in the physical things and the people and that kind of stuff in front of me. I think there's also this encouragement to understand good and evil and what this is like a new idea that I've had recently. So I'm sharing it with you guys. Um, and that this is a new realization. It's like understanding good and evil. Part of when I read this passage, I look at this and I'm like, is this really what the battle's all about? Is, you know, this thing between the mystery of God that the mystery of the gospel that Paul was trying to reveal and saying was a new work from God in this earth, and then these rulers and authorities kind of thing. And, you know, to summarize it, the other parts of Ephesians, what Paul keeps talking about is that the mystery of the gospel is that everybody, anybody, can inherit the kingdom of God, right? We all have a chance to get in. And when I look at it and like that's the entire mind-blowing mystery, that's what Paul feels like that he's in chains for, that's what he's in prison for, that's what Jesus died for, that's what he's going to die for, all this kind of stuff, right? I look at it as it's like the inheritance of God, like you belong to the family. You are adopted and you get full access. You're not the step kid. You get full access. We get full access to his power, to his authority, to his justice, you know, to his healing, to like all of that. And then it makes me question like, okay, so what is evil trying to do? Is like all this child abuse or um, physical abuse or like all of the isms, you know, like the racism and the sexism and like all of these kinds of things, is all of this evil in the world, is it really coming down to evil forces at play and trying to convince somebody that they're not good enough to inherit the kingdom of God or convince them that some people group, some group of people aren't good enough to inherit the kingdom of God. Like this is this new, simple idea I feel like that God has been downloading to me lately. And it's like so rich out of this passage of like, that's what evil, every instance of evil, every instance of strife is trying to create division there and separate people from God and separate them from thinking that they have an inheritance, that they are adopted, you know, that they don't belong. And so it makes me think like, wow, you know, like our ministry is we have many different ways of doing it, you know, like children's ministry and intercession and sozo and um, justice houses and community houses. And, you know, we have all these things like going on in the church, right? But like all of that comes down to is that we're really trying to get people the message, the good news, like, hey, God loves you and you're accepted fully. Like you, you can be fully adopted in and get all the inheritance, not like just a portion of it, not a tiny bit based on what you deserve, but like all of it, because his grace is that big, his forgiveness is that big. So like, 
it's really cool. You know, I think it's amazing to look at it this way and it helps me to simplify things as to that's what evil's really trying to do. And this is what our ministry is trying to do, you know? And then it's like back to that sort of basic point of like, it's more than meets the eye. It's not just about the physical. So if you guys have been around Blue Water for a while, you know, like we like to house victims, um, uh, survivors of human trafficking, help them get on their feet, walk alongside of them, that kind of stuff. And I've always looked at this of like, you know, to help a survivor of trafficking, it's not really about providing a roof and four walls. Like some people think like, oh, there just needs to be homes. But I'm like, dude, we got like a million homes on this island. Okay, we got a lot of houses, we got a lot of roofs, we got a lot of four walls, right? What we actually need, what survivors actually need is that they need the family of God to adopt them into the family, right? It's about like who's inside that home and like what is that family, right? And what is that relationship and what is that connection, right? So it's like, in that way, it sounds so simple. It's like, wow, I just got to love people. You know, we just got to love people. We got to love ourselves. We got to love our family. We got to love those outside and just say like, hey, you know, we've got the, we've got access to you and I, we've got access to the full power of God, the full inheritance of God and what Jesus did. Then it comes down to me, the practical. Okay, so how do we apply this? Like, like literally in our day, it comes back to that thing about stand, you know? And I said, like, stand frustrates me. But then in some ways, stand is really helpful, you know? For instance, you know, this year, this past year, this past 12 months, I've spent more time, <laughs> you probably have too, standing at the sink and, like, washing dishes or, you know, making meals inside the kitchen, right? And it's like, oh, my gosh, here I am standing here doing dishes for, like, the 500th time today. And if I feel like, well, if I can just pray while I'm doing the dishes, if I can just like speak in tongues, that is a big part of the spiritual battle, right? Like that is action, that is activity. And we can see value in that, in the small things. Now in the big things, you know, let's say that I'm in court or something like that, or I'm interacting with a victim or participating with law enforcement and seeing a victim for the first time. I may or may not get to have any sort of conversation, but what I can do, I can remember this and be like, okay, I'm carrying the spirit of God in here. And the spirit of God isn't about what actual, you know, words don't have to come out of my mouth here in this passage. Like that's not, that part of it, like even here, even presence, even standing, you know, even praying, like this can make a difference and this can shift things. And I really believe that, you know, then I think about the shield because there's got to be defense. Like if we're running the offense of like, no, we are getting people for the kingdom of God and we are loving them and we are telling them that they are adopted into this and we are acting like that we are adopted into this and that we carry God's power and we carry Jesus's presence and the Holy Spirit. If we're doing that, we're on the offense, right? So we got to be ready to have a defense also because there is a battle, right? And um, it says... In the NIV, it says extinguish. It says take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now this seems huge, and it makes me ask this really basic question, like what is faith? Like what is he talking about? Like faith is going to extinguish all of these arrows? There's a lot of crap that the enemy throws. Like this is gonna extinguish all of it, whether it comes from people or spiritual or mental or whatever it is. And it's like, what is faith? Is that just the belief that God is good? Is that just the belief that like, God has something good for me? God has something good for other people? Like he is good and there are good things for us. And there is this good inheritance and there is this good power, it, you know, that we have access to. There is this good Holy Spirit that we have, all of that. It's like, oh, that's amazing, you know? It's about the belief that God is good not getting hopeless, you know, letting us fall into that. And like, what is this worth? Does it even matter? Am I doing the practical thing? You know, is this the most efficient thing? Um, am I wasting my time here? It's like, no, just hold on to faith because faith extinguishes all that crap, all that flaming arrows that is coming at us. And then finally, you know, so I said stand and I said extinguish you know, in our faith, belief that God is good. And then the last one is praying, which I've been mentioning all along. But the power of prayer is incredible according to this passage. It seems like that is what's pulling everything together. That's what he desires from his supporters. That's what he wants them to do. That's what he wants them to do for him. That's what he is doing, you know. And it's not just like, oh, let me have peace and quiet where nobody's disturbing me and I can just really focus on God. It's also the, like, the prayer in the moments, like in the activities, in the daily things of like, God help me, God help me hear you. God, you know, um, shift this, you know, the atmosphere that feels like that it's in this room right now, you know, like God shift my thoughts, like, um, God, show me who you have for me to reach out to, that kind of thing. It's like, I don't know. It's just so powerful, and it can be woven into our daily lives so easily. Um, and I think there's a lot, say, in the spiritual battle or in the warfare of, like, you know, we pick up our cross daily and we carry it, and we do the hard things, and... We try to love others and we be generous and, and I love all those things and we absolutely need to do it. But it's like, I don't know, that prayer part of it, of addressing like, you know, we do have an enemy. And we do have an enemy that's trying to throw flaming arrows at us and at other people. And our best defense at that is believing that God is good and having that conversation with God talking to him and letting him renew our spirits and letting him renew our hope and all of those kinds of things so I, don't, I hope that like Ephesians is something that blesses you guys and that speaks to your heart I hope that even me talking about it today like maybe it brings up questions inside of you it brings up like curiosity and you want to either dig into the word, see what they meant, 
the phrases that they use, the, the phrases that they repeat over and over again in the Bible? Or you want to dig into some prayer time with God? Like, why is this? You know, why is it hard for me to get out of bed? Is there a flaming arrow being thrown at me? Why is there evil in the world? You know, like, why do bad things happen? Yeah, I think these are all, like, really valuable questions. I think there's a lot that God has to say about it. And to me, Ephesians, and particularly this section of Ephesians, like, chapter 6, 10 through 20, has spoken so deeply, even in the last month, as to how I simplify what ministry is about and how I live my daily life. So... I hope it's a blessing to you too. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for our virtual Sunday service. I really enjoyed the way that Vern took a verse that we all know about and she expanded it and showed a new facet of it that we haven't heard before that made it really practical and made it more alive. Thank you, Vern, well done there. And we hope that you're enjoying our sermon series on the everyday Bible which, um, which our overarching goal is that we would stimulate and inspire your personal partaking of scripture in your everyday life. Delicious. And we have a couple more weeks of this. Next week, we're gonna be hearing from the amazing John Roberts. Oh! So, uh, let's see, what's coming up? In a couple weeks, we have our Easter and Good Friday services. And uh, stay tuned, we got some really cool things planned, but we're keeping it under wraps for now. You'll hear about it real soon, but just be ready because it's gonna be an early one this year. Also, shout out to those people celebrating Lent right now. We're smack in the middle of it. And um, you know, it's really powerful that Lent, I love to see it as a time where we're getting extra focus. We have the fasting, and all the disciplines that we're doing so that we can focus in on a preparation to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, which is one of the most monumental things in all of history. So blessing on those. <laughs> Shout out to those of you that are doing the Lent thing. Um, and let's see, let's go. Now we're talking about our tithes and offerings. Okay, if you got offering you wanna give, um, you know, the good old way, send it to the church office, or we've got our online giving and even our text to give situation going on. You know what I'm saying? And then what else we got? What am I missing? Uh, oh, here we go. If you need prayer, if you're feeling like you're in, just in a storm of life and you're covered in the rain of life, we got people that wanna pray for you. So just email Julie at juliabluewatermission.org and a rush of love will come your way and we'll call you back, <laughs> we'll call you back. <laughs> There's tons of people that are ready to just love on you. And with that said, I bless you this week. Um, if it's sunny where you are, soak it up. If it's not, go cuddle with somebody, cuddle with Jesus. We love you. Have a good week. <laughs>